I'm Morgan Tioka. This is the Challenge Her podcast. This is the Challenge Her podcast. Hi guys, you're here with Morgan Tioka, your host of the Challenger podcast. And today my special guest is one of my really good friends, Ali Kemp. Yep, you nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) I was having a bit of like a mental um, blank then and I was really stressed that I was going to get that wrong. (laughs) But in my head it was like, Ali Kemp, Ali Kemp. (laughs) Going back to like all of the team rosters that we've had and I'm like, surely. (laughs) So Ali and I play uh, rugby union together on the East rugby union team and Ali, Al, you've only been playing for how many weeks? Uh, like nine. Nine weeks mm-hmm. and we've gotten to know each other pretty well yeah. and we had a really great chat um, about a week or a week ago and she let me know that she's dyslexic and when you find out that someone's studying to be a medical engineer... And then find out that you've had that sort of um, condition you've had to deal with. Like, that's a pretty intense thing. I was so gobsmacked. I was just like, are you kidding? Like, I have like thousands of kids at school go, miss, I'm just like sick. I can't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did drop it on you right at the end of our our (laughs) drive home. But Yeah. Yeah. No, but straight away I was like, I have to have you on my show because – it is such a barrier for some people and I've never met someone who's just – it does not even seem like it's ever defined you. Oh, that's this is the feeling I sort of get from you now. Yeah, yeah. It probably did when I first found out but, I mean, that was like eight years ago. So yeah, I think I've been able to work through it a bit more and, I don't know, just get on with my life. Yeah. So tell us about Ali growing up. So I've had a pretty weird childhood. Um, my parents have owned a carnival ride company and an animal nursery company pretty much my whole life. So, yeah, we worked on weekends, yeah, working with kids, teaching them about animals and obviously super fun with carnival rides. Yeah. And then I went to boarding school um, from grade 10. Um, then I went to college and now I'm fifth year studying a oh, long one. Bachelor of Medical Engineering with honors and IT. So uh, unreal. So yeah, it's uh, been been a well, I wouldn't say a long life, but yeah. it's, good. it's good. Yeah, like a long studying journey. Oh yes, I'm <laughs> ready to be done. Yeah, I bet oh, you are. But no, almost there, almost there. So your parents are pretty much getting ready for the aircar at the moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it starts yeah in a week's time, which is is fun but yeah we do the big animal nursery that everyone goes in and can interact with the animals and yeah stuff like that and I'm the supervisor which feels a little bit weird because probably most of the people that work for us are older than me but um but you know what I already know what I'm doing so. yeah that's so true that's such a crazy amazing degree mm. I've never heard of it before yeah it's um it's the most people-based engineering degree you can do oh so, right yeah so I obviously love working with people and but I love maths and science so I was like oh what can I do then I went through all of the different engineers like civil no don't want to build buildings like electrical not too hard don't want to do circuits yeah and then I found medical engineering and yeah ideally it would be once I finish it would be like prosthetic limbs particularly legs I think that's 
just so cool. Like, imagine robot legs. Yeah, and can you tell everyone about your thesis that you just told me about? Yeah, so I just finished, um, which is great. It's been a year-long project um, with the Centre for Children's Health Research with my supervisor, Paige Little, and we were doing... um, it's a, uh, hard to explain, but 3D modelling of children's spines with scoliosis. And then specifically, I was looking into the collagen fibres found in your IVDs and trying to calculate them specifically for kids with scoliosis. So you're pretty much trying to sort of be able to Im- implant, put something in that's going to help adjust Well, what they use, they use the models to replicate the surgery that a child will go through if they need to, if their spine is too curved. So they can use the model to replicate what the surgery will do and then see, okay, that's not actually going to work. Like they can replicate what it will do. Right. Yeah. So um, So it's sort of like that safe practice before yeah. something happens in such like a high risk. Yeah, yeah. Because it's really hard. Obviously, the spine is very complex. So it's quite hard to visualise and calculate aspects of it um, without being able to see it. And obviously, you can't just, you know, pull it out of a kid. So. Yeah. We do scans and we try and use software to model it on the computer so a surgeon can see what the cob angle looks like before they go into the surgery and be like, oh, okay, actually the rod will have to be longer than that because we didn't account for the small amount of curve that's at the top of the spine or yeah, that sort of stuff. So yeah. I'm just trying to make it a bit more patient-specific, you know, to make it as useful as possible for the surgeon. Yeah. And did you ever think, I guess, going through school that that was something you were going to get into? No, well, actually, up until grade 10, I was dead set on becoming a home ec teacher. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's so different. Yeah, home ec and maths teacher, that's what I was going to be. And then when I went to um, Stuart Home, we did like a careers testing day or something and um, one of the like little descriptions was people who like maths and science and then one of the things was engineering. I was like, huh. I like maths and science. <laughs> That's me. Maybe I should look into <laughs> engineering. And then, um, yeah, from there I was like, okay, well, let's just start engineering and then we'll just see where we go from there. And yep. then, um, no, then I found medical and I was like, look, I really like working with people and I love building things. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, very interesting. And so school for you was an enjoyable place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely was. I really love learning. Otherwise, I don't think I'd still be studying. Yep. But, um. But yeah, no, it, yeah, loved boarding. Um, I actually chose to go to boarding school, so not exactly one of those boarders who were like, oh, I hate it here, Mm. Um, which was great. But um, it was always difficult and I always knew I was bad at English. I just didn't know why up until grade 11. So did you fail English or you just had to work really, really hard all the time in like from, you know, sort of year six, seven yeah, yeah, no, I never failed English. It was always like I was getting C's, like low C's, C's, and it didn't matter how much work I put in. Like yep. I could never get it higher than that. I remember getting a like an A minus in a video, like English assignment in grade like eight or something, and it was like, oh my god, what is this? Yeah. How, did, how did I get an A? But it was because I didn't have to do it. Like I could get other people to read it, and then we got to film ourselves doing it, and obviously talking. You, like you doesn't really affect it yeah being dyslexic doesn't affect you being able to talk yes so that's why of then, course yeah but um no it wasn't until grade 11 and I did fail an assignment that um my English teacher was like um something might not be right because you're not writing 
like you speak. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, you swap between tenses. So, like, one sentence I'll be in past tense, next one I'll be in present. And I was like, yeah, but that's just that's just how I talk. And they're like, yeah, but that's not how you write. It's like, oh, okay, fair enough. And then, yeah, went and got tested. Um, and, uh, yeah, found out, yeah, in, or oh, I think it was like, halfway through grade 11 yeah that I was um dyslexic but it's yeah not not the the greatest time of my life finding that out but also at the same time it's good now yeah yeah can you explain like what so what is it what is dyslexia or what how was it described to you Mm. um well it's different for everyone it obviously depends exactly on like what you find hard but for me um when I got tested they put you in like percentiles and there's like different aspects. The testing is like they will give you like a random word that isn't an actual word. It's just sounds and you have to spell it. And I, when you're dyslexic, a lot of people can't use sounds to spell. Yeah. Right. So um, like they'll say something like the word that always trips me up is occur. Yes. And the first letter I always think it starts with is an A. Yes. And I know it doesn't start with an A, but that's just how I we'll write it down. I'm like, well, that doesn't look right. So the easiest way to think about it is I've never learnt how to spell. I've learnt how to memorise. Yes, okay. Yeah, so I've memorised how to spell a lot of words. Yes. Yeah, which is why a lot of people will, like, when I'm texting my vocabulary, well, that was a hard one to say, <laughs> <laughs> is quite limited because I don't, I don't want to spell it wrong. Yes. Yes. Okay, that makes so much sense. <laughs> Yeah, right. I guess because we must, you know, that's something so simple that we must all take for granted. Because if you asked me to do a spelling bee or asked me to spell a word straight away, I'd start like breaking it down and then sounding it out and then I'd write it down. Yeah. But for you, you've literally visualised and seen that word written a hundred times and that's how you replicate it on paper. Yeah. So it's, um, so obviously you can still use like sounding out to try and do it, but yeah, but it's not... As simple as, oh, just sound it out. Yeah. Like, okay, well, I can try and sound it out, but it's still probably going to be wrong. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And so when you found that out, what was – sort of talk me through, like, what was your – you know, how did you internally deal with that? And then how did you deal with that, I guess, going to school? Like, what were the first thoughts in your head as soon as you found that out? Well, when she told me – before, like, well, oh, I can't even remember who did it. Maybe Speechy. Um, they they were said certain things. They're like, do you feel like you always have to look at the board like four or five times more than anyone else? I was like, yeah, I feel like I have to look at the board like three or four times for one word rather than for a whole sentence when you're trying to copy things down. Then it's like, okay, well, do you feel like you always have to write slower and that you can't finish exams and that like you dread writing paragraphs. I'm like, yeah, this all makes sense. Yeah. Yes. And then they're like, yeah, you actually are dyslexic. And particularly for me, it was spelling. Like I'm very, very low in the spelling percentile, but there's other aspects that I'm quite high in, especially maths, science. Yes. Hence the engineering. Um, but yeah, then when I found out it was, yeah, I because I was still at boarding school. So my parents did come up and take me to, you know, find out, but then they dropped me straight back to the boarding house. Yes. So trying to deal with that was was hard because I wanted to keep it a secret. Yeah. Like you don't 
especially, you know, as how old are you when you're in grade 11? Like yeah, you're 16. Yeah, 16 or something. 16, 17. Yeah, you don't want something to be wrong. Yeah. Like that, you know, I've just found out that I know something's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And that's how I viewed it. I was like, no, nah, that's like, like and there's nothing I can do to change it. Yes. Um, like it's not something that you can work on to get better. Like it was just, that's how I will be forever now. Yeah. Um, but um, so in grade 11, didn't really tell anyone. Obviously my teachers and stuff knew and eventually we could work out some different strategies to try and um, make it a bit easier. But there were certain strategies that I just wasn't willing to do purely because I didn't want people to see see a difference yeah like they were like oh they c- you can use dragon so dragon is a program that you can use to speak what you want to write and yes. it writes it for you um and they're like you can use that to take notes and you can just sit at the back of your class and i was like no there's no happening. way i'm going to speak my notes at the back of the class while everyone else is in silence because <laughs> <laughs> you're just like you are going to look different and like our worst thing at school is to be away from the, the the pack or like you know yeah not fit in yeah and it yeah and I knew that would just automatically make me stand out and I was like oh no nah, don't don't like that at all I was even reluctant to take extra time because then it felt like I was cheating because it yes. felt like I I was getting like I have been able to deal with this for the whole first 15 years of my life why do I need special treatment now mm-hmm. um but I mean reflecting on that no I did deserve the extra time yes. because it would make it easier for me to actually do like certain aspects of my yeah assessment but yep. um yeah so at school I, I yeah just tried to almost like suppress it as much as possible don't like didn't talk about it yeah even like my closest friends knew but like not many other people probably would. Yeah. And then at uni, still like a first few years, I didn't um, talk about it that often, um, and I definitely wouldn't um, like advertise it anywhere. Even in group settings, like in engineering, like every subject is a group assignment yeah, or multiple right. group assignments. That would have been hard. Yeah. So, um, like the uni is great though. Like you can. Like you just call them up and they write this whole plan for you and you give them like whatever your documentation is and they go, okay, what were you getting at school? What would you like from the uni? We can see what we can get you. Yeah. Um, so for me, I've had it for every semester, but um, you, I get like extra time um, based on how long my exams are. I do all of my exams in a separate room with Dragon. So I can actually speak my exams. I never have to write them. Yeah. Unless they're maths because you can't speak maths. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, X equals. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you didn't even get to the numbers. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's my lack of math. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, it's only like more recently that I'm, I guess, more open about it because the reason I have, to, I feel like I have to tell my friends is the fact that I think I sound like a robot when I text. Oh, right. Yes, but because I've heard like lots of my friends have been like, oh, you always text so seriously. It's like it's because I'm concentrating so hard on spelling it right. Yes. And that I'm like, oh, if I write it that way, they'll just think I'm th- that I'm not smart. Yes. It's like, oh, well, actually, no, that's not how you text. It doesn't really matter how you text. But um, so, yeah, so that's why I definitely have been telling more people. And I'll tell people that I'm in a group assignment with now because obviously it – 
makes more sense for them to read through my part. Yes. Because there's probably going to be spelling mistakes. Yes. Um, but it still it puts you in quite a vulnerable state, doesn't it? Yeah. Because yeah. you don't want people to view you differently. You want people to see you as someone who's educated and knowledgeable. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely. Yeah, it makes – when you say it, people definitely look at you like, oh, how am I in a group with you? But I – but well, that's how I thought people would yes. view it. Yeah. But um, I tend to don't tell them in the first part, and I'm a very organised person, and I also tend to be the project manager of every group I'm in. Yes. So if I'm on top of my stuff and I've already made, you know, the report templates and all of that sort of stuff, then when I tell them, it's not like they're like, oh yeah, whatever. Like we'll probably do most of the writing anyway. So yeah, yeah. You've already just, sort of taken control. Yeah. You've sort of like worked your way around sort of handling it so yeah. you don't have to like project it onto people. Yeah. So you like the I guess the message I'm getting is like it's like you felt like it was a burden. Yeah. For yeah. others. Yes, yeah, yeah, definitely. And when you went back to school and started to deal with it and you didn't want to take the help like using Dragon. Did you find anything got any easier getting through like the back end of year 11 and 12 or were you just sort of grinding through going, you know what, I'm just not going to allow this to affect me? Well, I was so determined to get a really good OP. Like like that's what I – so I would study all the time. Yeah. And then as a boarder anyway, you were forced to study for two and a half hours every day anyway, but I would do more than that. Yeah. So – I was a very, very studious grade 11 and 12. Not so much in the younger years, but I definitely yep. got better towards yeah. the end. Um, but yeah, no, grade 11 and 12, I just used to study all the time. So I would take some of the help and like part of my um, the help that I got, I guess, was um, that grammar and some sort of, some aspects of spelling didn't count. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't mark me down in my exams and yes. my assignments for grammar and spelling. Yeah. So... That made it less pressure when I was doing my assignments because beforehand they would be like, no, it's full of spelling mistakes, like the grammar's like terrible. Whereas then now they they weren't allowed to. Mm. So it would make it like I'd always get a little, like I was getting better marks because I wasn't losing those marks on things that I just couldn't, I couldn't fix, I guess. So what would you say, I'm going to give you two scenarios. One, what would you say to the teachers who have young kids in their classroom who are dyslexic and who probably don't want to have those strategies. Like I've had kids and I've gone out of my way to create really cool modified booklets to suit, but the, the even the demonstration that their activities are different, even when they're not sitting together, is still too much. Mm. And they, they just don't want to bar of it. And the last thing you want them to feel is uncomfortable but at the same time you it's like okay well how am I going to help you pass yeah it's like what could we do or how could we have those discussions with them to make them feel like you know we're just like we just want them to succeed yeah it's yeah I honestly I knew you were going to ask me this question (laughs) I'd been thinking about it all day but I um I, I honestly don't really know how to answer the question because even like now I'm more like more fine with it. I mean, it's not exactly my favorite topic to talk about still, but yeah. um, but I just 
I don't know how I would have reacted any differently in grade 11 and 12 because that's all you want to do is be able to fit in and not be seen as different and you are but I think that's like a big thing like you it's good to be different yes like you know being able to do what I can do in engineering I may not have been able to do if I didn't if I wasn't dyslexic like because I'd be too focused on English who knows yeah exactly but um I think yeah honestly I I don't know what strategies you can put in place what you could say hey it's hindsight's a wonderful thing yeah that's the whole point of this podcast is that (laughs) man there are so many things that if you could go back and just go I'm totally going to be different and watch me absolutely shine yeah and you just don't care but at the time when you're a kid you just care so much about fitting in and not being in that limelight for any negative attention. It's just so scary. Yeah, no, it definitely... I don't know if this would have helped, but I think um, when you are dyslexic, when people say, oh, it's oh, no, nah, I'm like totally dyslexic or something, but as a joke because they can't spell or that or something they write is wrong or like... But they're not. They just do it as a joke. That's, mm. that's definitely not helpful because yeah. then it makes you even be like, oh, well, I don't want to talk about it then. Definitely. Because, like someone's trying to make a joke out of it and like I actually am like that's yes. why I can't spell or that's why I can't do this but yeah so maybe I guess maybe making other students more aware of what it what it's how like how it affects people yeah yep. not necessarily singing singling anyone out being like oh this person is mm-hmm. but um but making a bit more like oh it's it's different when you're learning when you don't learn like everyone else definitely but um but what then again, I'm not sure if I would have loved that. Yeah. But. <laughs> That's true. But what about you? Like, what if you could go back to you at that exact time now? If you could go back to that Ali who just found out, you know, what, I don't know, what, what are some of the, the things that you might say to her um, to just help support her through that time? I would have said probably you don't need, you don't need to study all the time. Like you can, you can go out and you can do... I don't know, more things and have more fun, I guess. Mm. I mean, once I got to uni, that was totally fine. I was like, oh, well, I've already got here. They can't kick me out. So. <laughs> <laughs> they can, but they, they haven't. I mean, so. they can, but... <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, probably just not take it as seriously as I probably did. Um, yeah, maybe, yeah, take more help where you can get it. Like, there was lots of people willing to help me, but a lot of the time I just didn't. I just didn't want to take it. Um, and because I'm a very independent person, so if I can do it myself, I will do it myself. Do you think that by receiving help, it's like you failed in some way to, to complete those tasks? Yeah, definitely. Or like, or it takes away from the fact that you did it yourself. Yeah. It like diminishes. Yeah. Like you couldn't merit. Yeah. You couldn't do it yourself. So like, it's not as good. Yes. But, like, that's not the case. Like, getting someone else to read your assignment doesn't mean that you didn't write the assignment. I was a polar opposite to you. <laughs> I was like, anybody, anybody want to help me? I need help. Can you read it? You read it. Can you read it? And I, you know, I was totally capable. I was just lazy. And so I, I didn't work hard at school. And so when I got to uni, I had to work three times as hard. I was the one going to study on Saturdays all day in like the libraries with one of my friends, Mitch. 
who beautiful friend, but he was so studious. He's like, do you want to come on Saturday and come study? I'm like, not really, but I'll see you there <laughs> <laughs> because I need this. Otherwise, I'll fail. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not like, a weekend <laughs> studier. That's for sure. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, that was me. Oh, yeah, that's really interesting. I guess we are coming across a lot of kids coming through the school at the moment and it might not be an actual condition. It might just be like mental health, um, anxiety, depression, but there's so many things. There's so many ADHD, you know, dyslexic. Yeah. So many things coming into our space now that it's it makes you wonder how you can support them all because there's so many everywhere and everyone needs something different and that's the space we're currently in. Yeah, no, it makes it really hard. I can yeah. definitely see because even like being dyslexic, you not every person who's dyslexic will need the same support because it all just depends on where you are and also how young you found out because apparently if I had found out younger, there are strategies to get you to a certain place where you will be able to do it better. But right. because I found out so late, they were like pretty much like doesn't matter what you do, this is this is it. Like this is yes. how you will be. Doesn't you can't really do anything to make this better. Yeah. Which is also not great to hear when you're like, there's something wrong with me and I can't fix it. Yes. Do you feel like because you were so studious and you obviously valued yourself based on your academic uh, abilities, do you feel like when you were going through high school, it you sort of attached it to your identity so that when you found out you were dyslexic, you know, you and you were like, oh my gosh, something's wrong with me. It was like part of your identity was doing well at school yeah and that just like made you go oh man maybe I can't maybe I can't do all this maybe I can't go to uni maybe you know just yeah. second yeah. guess yourself yeah it definitely did because like I obviously did quite well I studied so often so I did quite well when I was at school but um but yeah no but it it helped I would say like I didn't love it and obviously I didn't deal with it great but it did help especially in my English sense because I was like oh that's why I never do well in English but then it meant also then my teachers could be like oh okay like so I went from getting like C's and stuff and I couldn't get any better like it didn't matter how much work I put in I just couldn't do any better and then then once I got help and got like extra time and that sort of stuff I started to be able to get like you know like B's and I'm like and then that's what I just sat on and then I knew when I was going into my OP I was like oh I have to do seven subjects because I know English won't count and then once I did it, English did count. It was in the top five. Yeah, right. So Just because you'd finally figured out yeah. how to sort of strategize around yeah, it. Yeah, and just like actually I did, as much as I didn't want to take the help, I did. And then, yeah, it ended up being a lot more, Yeah, I guess like it actually did help knowing. Yeah, just, to, yeah, don't love, don't love it, but it is what it is. Yeah. It's so good that, you know, you say something like that, like it is what it is because it just allows you to go, I'm just going to close that door. It's happened. I can't change it and just keep moving forward. And one of the other things we talk about that sort of relates to that is we've got, you know, if you're the fourth high performer, you, you if you hang around four high performers, you become the fifth. If you hang around, you know, four drop kicks, you become the fifth. Did you have like a really good support network of like close group of friends and fam, like were your family really great at, being supportive for you um yeah yeah well I mean being at boarding school it made it a little bit hard like my parents like I've always lived just outside of Brisbane but 
So when you're at boarding, like I would only see them, you know, like two or three times a month Mm -hmm. maybe. But I talked to them a lot, but I was more around my friends because when you're a boarder, you live with your friends all the time. And um, and (laughs) my friends weren't exactly the most studious, but my parents from a very young age had ingrained in me work ethic, like – work ethic is everything in our family like we work hard for everything yep. and you don't slack off yeah so that definitely helped me just get over it and that's why I studied so hard and that's why I knew I wanted to get a good OP so I could go anywhere I wanted do whatever I want um and yeah so I did have yeah a great support ne- network and my teachers were really supportive as well um a lot of them obviously you know it makes it hard because they're not hundred percent sure how to deal with it yeah but yeah just make it as supportive as possible but um a lot of it didn't really change that much especially in maths because I'm when I did the testing um my maths was like super high yes Um, so it's not the same for everyone but I like patterns and maths and numbers like I'm pretty good at yeah like they all worked well yeah so being able to use maths as my way of like oh I know I'm going to be good at that at school like that was one of my aims when I was yeah in grade 12 all I wanted to do was be in the top five for the maths b class and I was I was third so I flunked maths (laughs) actually I didn't flunk it I was in it and I loved my teacher and then she told me I should go down to maths a (laughs) Because I was, like, bringing the, you know, average grade down. <laughs> but you know what? I copped it on the chin and I went down to Marseille and then I got worse because I hung around with all the, uh, yeah. the you know, the people that don't want to do maths. <laughs> and so that was my great excuse. And so... No, it's definitely... No, well, there was a point there where I was going to drop physics to do maths A, so I would have been doing A, B and C. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, but I didn't. My teacher was like, don't dra- drop physics for maths A. <laughs> you're like but easy money yeah. <laughs> I'm like, but I get top mouths eh? yeah <laughs> so true okay so I'm gonna ask you some questions mm-hmm. they're very like lifely mm. is that a word they're about mm. life okay <laughs> what have you changed your mind about recently um how actually this was asked after listening to one of your last podcasts. Oh, which one? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember what it's called. Okay. But the one where you were talking about how people deal with situations, whether or not they, like, fight or flight. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so I'm a big one for um, when I know I've done something wrong and someone brings it up, I'll deflect and be like, yeah, but you do this. <laughs> <laughs> that defence mechanism. Uh, yeah, and, it, and and I do it and I'm quite stubborn and, like, I'm like, nah, like, yeah, okay, I did that, but you're doing this instead. So I've decided that I'm going to change that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, instead of someone, like one of my housemates was like, I don't know, the other day she was like, oh, you keep leaving the back door unlocked. Yes. And normally my automatic response was be something like, oh, but you're, you know, um, messing up the kitchen and leaving it like that every day. Like that was exactly what I was going to say. And then I was like, well, nope, nope, I'm not going to say it like that. And I'm like, okay, I'm really sorry. I'll try and remember next time. <laughs> How good. That makes me feel so good. Uh, it's And it's more the awareness. It's not even, like, that's, I guess, the biggest thing is, like, you don't even have to fix it yet. No. It's just that moment of, oh, 
I was about to deflect or I was about to fight yep. or I'm running away. Okay, not like think, what am I doing? Why do I feel this way? How do I get through this? What's the process? And it's just like just pulling yourself up is like the first step yep. to figuring out how you're going to change a behaviour because it's just habits yep. and it's not – they're not bad habits. They're human habits that we've just gained over time. You know, I with my siblings at home all the time, so deflective. Yeah. And then, you know, I used to just – I used to do the uh, sorry, but I did not <laughs> genuinely mean sorry. So they'd be like, Morgan, you you know, you're doing this or you've left this out again. I'm like, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's such a deflection and it's so, like, it's pretty much disrespectful. And, you know, I figured I was doing that and I was like oh, – just I didn't end up replying I just stopped saying anything and then I was like okay I'll make sure I fix it next time yep but it's so hard because you feel like people are attacking you for your character yep yep you've grown up yeah and I'm so good at justifying my actions yes like even like the back door being unlocked I'd be like oh yeah but and currently I'm in a knee brace I'd be like oh yeah but I have so much on my mind I'm like no that does it really? Count? <laughs> Does that really link? Yeah, <laughs> fully. That's a good one. All right, next one. What is your biggest dream, if you're willing to share, or one of your biggest aspirations? Um, would definitely be working in a rehab center, um, making custom prosthetic limbs, particularly legs. Um, in, I would love to work in Australia, but we don't have the greatest um, or the biggest industry of prosthetics. So I'd probably end up moving to somewhere like America or Canada or maybe somewhere in Europe, but they're the big ones like America and Canada working in a rehab centre and I would love to be the head of it. Like, yeah, head of prosthetics Please at remember me <laughs> <laughs> when you become famous over there, <laughs> Dr. Ali Kemp. I'm going to be like, remember that podcast we did? Please <laughs> fly me over in a private jet a so private I can come <laughs> and watch you present a prosthetic leg to... Some amazing person. <laughs> that would be so cool. Maybe Imagine we'll make Digi a new one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Digi needs a new name. That would be out of control. Yeah. She's actually out there on that machine, <laughs> altitude machine, because it's going to help with her rehab oh. of her knee. Oh, crazy, okay. hey. Yeah. That was used for Alyssa's, Alyssa Azar, who climbed Mount Everest, her Everest climb. So she's out there on her first session. Sitting down because <laughs> I don't think you're not allowed to do anything on your first session. Yeah, you're just got to sit and they change it to 3,000 feet. That's crazy. And you just got to deal with the oxygen levels. <laughs> Isn't it insane? Yeah, no, no, I can't imagine that. No, I need as much air as I can possibly breathe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it doesn't look like we're going to Nepal anytime no. soon. No. Um, okay, next one. What are you working on? What are you working on and getting better at? Working on or getting better at or getting better at. Mm. Um, that's a hard one. Um, well, I mean, the whole me trying to not deflect is a big one. Yeah. <laughs> a, um, but actually it would be probably rugby, I would say. Yes. Yeah, because I was kind of just thrown in there. Um, yes. Love playing sport, but never played rugby except what nine weeks ago. Yes. Rocked up at my first training and uh, straight two in week, there. Uh, a week later, it's sink or swim down at East Rugby <laughs> Union. <laughs> yep, you are the new hooker. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. I will learn how to be that. <laughs> Why not? <I? laughs> 
But how cool. So learning a new sport. Because how old are you? 22. 22. Learning a new sport, 22. Nearly about to finish uni. I think these are like some of the most incredible times where you get to try new things. Yeah. Because you sort of have that confidence now. You don't – you're not waiting for people to approve or trying to get people to give you confidence or self-esteem to help you push through and try something different outside your comfort zone. You're just like, oh, I'm totally ready to do whatever I want and yeah. no one's going to stop me. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I was a, like, yeah, when I was at school, I was actually really shy. Mm-hmm. And I just like didn't really want to talk to new people and I like I made friends quite easily but I wasn't like, you know, a big personality. Like I would never want to be the leader or the one at the front. But... I mean, I don't think I'm like that anymore. No, I don't think you're like that either <laughs> anymore. Everyone is, if anyone knows, everyone's in love with Ali at our <laughs> rugby union club. Um, so, yes, you're definitely not like that anymore. All right, last question. You ready? Yep. You better be good. What is one quality you love about yourself? One quality. Mm. I would probably say maybe my determination. I would say I'm I'm pretty when I set my mind to something, I'm going to finish it. Like, yeah, failure isn't really an option. Um, or giving up isn't an option actually. Like sometimes you know you fail and that's what it is. But yeah. but no, giving up on something, yeah, it just isn't. Like I've never yeah, dropped out of uni or even thought of dropping out of uni. It's like, no, nah, this subject is really hard and, you know, I m- might not get the greatest mark, but I'm not going to drop it. Like yeah. I've got to do it and I'm just going to work through it. I'm going to find a way yeah. to push through and do yeah, you, just learn. Is that is that coming sort of stemming from the whole work ethic sort of side of growing up? Yeah, yeah, I definitely think so. I think it's also because, yeah, we weren't, like when, yeah, when I was at home, you know, you, you don't sit around and do nothing. Like if if mum and dad are outside working, you're outside working. Yeah. Like you're not allowed to just sit around and, and slack off. But, yeah, like I don't really like to sit still. So even in the knee brace right now, I was out whippersnippering this morning because I don't okay. like to sit still. Can you talk to our friend over there who <laughs> everyone around me is like, why don't you, you know, why don't you sit still? I don't know. I can't. I can't really? handle five minutes of my own time. No, no. I'm, I'm, I'm not. A, <laughs> I just can't. I can't Same. I'm like just yeah. like twiddling my thumbs like, okay, I need to go out. Actually, my ex-partner used to get so angry at me. Because he'd be like, why can't we just chill? Like, why can't you just <laughs> relax? And I was like, it's the weekend. I can't yeah. believe I'm sitting at home right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm wasting a day. Yeah. I'm <laughs> wasting it. Wasting the le- next two hours need to be <laughs> like, let's go to like a theme park, you know. Yeah. It's just really, he's like, We're, you're never going to save money. <laughs> no, no, I, I feel that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Constantly. Oh, no, no, definitely. Well, I'm going to sort of rattle off a few, and I hope that you can help me, but I want to rattle off a few takeaways from our conversation. I guess the first one is I'll always bounce back to identity and values because that's, I'm just, every time I'm reading books, every time I'm talking to people, every time I'm looking at any type of issue around worthiness and our our self-belief, it really comes down to who we believe we are as a person and 
it didn't matter what we spoke about today. One of the key things I took away from you was just, you know, work ethic was such a, a key to changing your not ability but like changing the way you thought about being dyslexic and dealing with that because you were just like it's not going to allow me to fail like I'm going to keep pushing through and that's obviously one of your key values yeah yeah definitely identity and determination and I was just like bang like straight away and that is a key as to why you are successful because you really know yeah who you are based on your values yeah yeah and I just think that's so key Another takeaway, um, and I'm hoping sort of young girls are listening to, is just your self-belief. You know, once you got through sort of figuring out that, okay, I'm dyslexic, um, I don't want people to know about it, but you never allowed it to stop you from achieving. Yeah, 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 no, definitely. And I think our girls sometimes can really because we're overanalyzers and we get all up in our own head about everything and we're really emotional beings, we don't take risks and we don't put ourselves out there. And I think when you were talking about, you know, I wasn't going to allow it to define me, like I kept working hard, I didn't change anything, I was extremely studious. You said I even got more yep. Yep. studious. Yep. It's just another key that like we don't allow – the things around us or other people to define who we are you know we get to choose our narrative yeah yeah well I definitely when I was thinking about it I was I didn't want to fail and then the (laughs) no one would say this but it'd be like oh she failed because she's dyslexic it's like no she just did it and it had nothing to do with me being dyslexic I just happened to be yes so true and I guess the takeaway for some of our girls or listeners is just really know who you are and your values and don't allow conditions or things to define you. Figure out ways and strategies to just handle it and close a book on a chapter and keep moving forward. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, just yeah, figure out, you, if especially because I was like, no, this is how I am and this is what it's going to be. It's just keep going. Just yep. figure out how you're going to deal with it. And if you don't want to talk about it, you don't have to, but it does help. It definitely helps when people know because then they're like, if I go, oh, how do you spell this word? If they know, they'll just spell it for me. If yes. they don't, they'll be like, they look at me like, oh, you should know how to spell yeah, that word. Yeah, how do you not know how to spell that word? Yeah, like, how do you not know how to spell occur? I feel like I'm a walking dictionary <laughs> at school. Kids think and you're an encyclopedia and you're also a Google searcher <laughs> at the same time as well. But, yeah, I... I have many moments that I was just like, my memory just popped up and I was like, oh my gosh, I've done that so many times where they'll just be asking and I'm like, you know, suffocate, yeah, S-U, and I'll just like rattling yeah. it off and carrying on and then they'll be like, what about this one? I'll just say it out loud because I just, I can't even be bothered to go sound it out, yeah, break it down, even though that's meant to be the right thing. I'm just like, okay, write it, hurry up, <laughs> we're late. Yeah, don't have enough time for this. <laughs> yeah, fully. Um, I just want to wrap up there and just say thank you so much for coming on and doing this with me. I think it's really special. I think your story is really special and I think you're a really great person. And so I absolutely love doing this stuff and I think people get really good value out of different women in, you know, our lives who are 
really creating change and pushing forward and having incredible aspirations and they're not allowing like I said before anything to define who they are they know who they are and so they are going to walk past the critics and the judgment and all the internal people and internal feelings that tell you you're not good enough and you're going to keep pushing towards your dreams and goals and I think that's really special so thank you for coming on the show thank you for having me and um we will talk to you guys soon You've been listening to the Challenge Her podcast with Morgan Tioka. Follow, rate and share to help empower and educate young women.